Won't you be my neighbor? We've been talking about neighboring and the gift and the challenge of loving one another. And you may or may not be familiar with the inspiration for this phrase, for this um, series, and you may not know there's a song, but maybe you do know very well that there is a song. But Mr. Rogers, Neighborhood was a show that was on at least weekly and was a part of my life for many years when I was being formed. And I realize now, upon reflection, that Mr. Rogers was the one who taught me a lot. He taught me how to care for others. He taught me how to listen to others. He taught me how to negotiate relationships and to understand my own feelings, which are all pretty important lessons to learn um, as a child and as an adult as well. Um, so I thought it would be good for us to review um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and the welcome song and ritual um, that happened at the beginning of every show. And we're not gonna go through it today, but there's a very similar yet different song and ritual at the end of every show. So let's take a listen. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Would you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. Yay! Now, don't you? Yes. He puts inside shoes on in his house. Don't you all like come into your house, take your jacket off, put your sweater on? Actually, in the winter, sometimes I leave my robe by the door. <laughs> so that I'm not cold in my house, but I don't generally do a whole ritual. And um, he does, he plays his zipper as an instrument every time. And even year, like decades into this show, when he, when I saw, I was previewing these last night, and he's, you think maybe he's lost the dexterity of like being able to swing his shoe into his other hand. Nope, he's still got it. It does sort of make me want to have like a ritual when I come into my house. Like this is what I do every time I come into my house um, because that's, that's what he does and he dresses down to come into his house and he dresses up to go outside. It's, it's a beautiful thing to be a neighbor in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, but it's not always easy. And it's not easy to be a neighbor in the way that Jesus calls us to be a neighbor. 
We've been talking about the challenge of loving our neighbors, which means loving yourself. everyone, yourself, and everyone, because no one is outside the bounds of our neighbors. And even our enemies are neighbors to be loved by us. Maybe not liked, but definitely loved. Jesus' challenges to us have everything to do with our relationships with other people. Because we show we love God by loving others. That's how we demonstrate that we love God, by loving others. So, you have um, heard the story, um, the scripture for today already, but I am going to actually read it out of the Bible. And it comes from the Gospel of Mark in the second chapter. And maybe you think that the challenge for us might be a little less than loving everybody or loving our enemies. But I think the challenge here is still pretty significant. So I'm reading from Mark chapter two. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum, and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered there that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived. And four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. So let's stop there for a minute. Four people were bringing to Jesus a man who was paralyzed. There were four people invested in this man who was paralyzed. Now in this time, people who had any kind of disability were pushed to the margins and were outcast from society and were, it was less likely for them to be in relationship with able-bodied people than it is today. So the fact that these four friends got together and decided we are invested in this man, that's significant. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off the roof above where Jesus was. They tore off the roof where Jesus was. So these four friends are not just invested enough to like physically carry this man all the way to Jesus. They are invested enough in getting him to Jesus to caring for him, that they are willing to get in trouble for it. Like, there's a debate about how easy it would be to take off the roof of somebody's house and how messy that might be depending on the construction of that roof, but I think in anybody's house, if you are suddenly taking their roof off, no matter how it's constructed, that might be disturbing. Not considered neighborly. No, not considered neighborly. <laughs> 
so the homeowner might not like it that you're climbing to the t roof of the house and tearing off the roof. Frank, what are you doing to my roof? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I would be happy if anybody was on top of my house, let alone coming down through the roof. But they are not deterred. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed mat was laying. So I don't know how this happened, if they were like skilled at this, I hope so, because um, they're, they're on the roof and they're lowering this man who's paralyzed and so probably not super agile on navigating being lowered through the air. They are lowering him through the roof down to the ground to Jesus. Um, I might be a little scared if I were him. I might be a little scared if I was anybody in that scenario, right? If you're looking up and that's happening, if you're the one navigating the, the lowering, if you're Jesus, even you might be wondering what is happening right now. When Jesus saw their face, when Jesus saw their face, he said to the paralyzed man, child, your sins are forgiven. Who's there? The friends? Maybe the friends and the paralyzed man, but definitely the friends. When Jesus saw their face. Now, I'd say their faith was a little active, right? And sweaty <laughs> at that time. They were acting their faith. They were invested in this action. But here we go. Here's the counterpoint to Jesus' graciousness and the friend's faith. Some legal experts. You always know that when some legal experts come to talk to Jesus, they're not going to agree with what he's doing. Some legal experts were sitting there, muttering among themselves. Somehow they got in, right? There was room for them in this house with all the crowded people. Muttering to themselves, why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only one God can forgive sin. Jesus is claiming quite a bit of authority. This isn't right. He's a man. He shouldn't be forgiving sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, muttering among themselves. Why? And he said to them, went right up and confronted the situation, why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier, to say to a paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your bed, and walk? Which is easier? Sounds like a trick question to me. But, so you will know that the human one has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up. 
and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed and praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like that. Not any part of that. So we imagine these friends who are invested in this man who's stuck on this mat. Now how we can make up different scenarios of why they might be in relationship, but it should be acknowledged that it's kind of odd that they have this close, invested relationship. Maybe they're brothers, maybe they're cousins, maybe they were friends before an accident, maybe they were, maybe they were, we don't know. But they have overcome these boundaries that could have easily separated them. And this man who is stuck on the mat could have used his mat as a barrier, a way to keep people away, a way to isolate himself, a way to separate himself from people that he was related to or in relationship with. And his friends could have seen the mat as a reason to overlook the potential and the importance of the friendship, to dismiss him as different. But the friends are invested in him. We all have a mat. That thing that we are tempted to separate ourselves from others by. That thing we think makes us different. That thing that we wonder if people knew about us, they might not like us. It's that insecurity that we are trying to cover up. It's that trauma that we are trying to hide. Family, finances, history. If someone sees it, then there's no way they could possibly love and care for us anymore. Whatever it is that we are hiding from everyone, that's our mat. We're thankful for the images that we're using in this series and some of the inspiration from National Community Church in Washington, D.C. And Pastor Heather Zempel preached on this scripture and she said, your miracle just might be on the other side of your vulnerability. Your miracle just might be on the other side of your vulnerability. The place of vulnerability is the place where true connection can take place. If you've been paying attention over the past 10 years to anybody talking about vulnerability, you might have heard of Brene Brown, who as if you've heard me ever preach before, you know she's one of my gurus. So 
When I'm thinking about vulnerability, I'm thinking about Brene Brown. And in her first book, she wrote, regardless of who we are, how we were raised, or what we believe, all of us fight hidden, silent battles against not being good enough, not having enough, not belonging enough. When we find the courage to share our experiences and the compassion to hear others tell their stories, we force shame out of hiding and end the silence. When we find the courage to share our experiences, and the compassion to hear others. Your miracle just might be on the other side of your vulnerability. Brene also writes, vulnerability is not weakness. And that myth is profoundly dangerous. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Brene Brown would also say that doesn't mean you're totally vulnerable all the time with everyone. Vulnerability is something that we do strategically with people that we trust at times and places that we feel capable of being vulnerable. Over this past week, I have been amazed at the women and some men in my life and in the world who have been sharing their own stories of vulnerability, their own mats, their own stories that they've kept hidden for decades. They may have shared something of the trauma in their life with one person 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And because of other people being brave, including Dr. Christine Blasey Ford sharing her own story, people feel empowered to tell their own stories. And I have witnessed again and again how this vulnerability has been empowering. been empowering to stop hiding the mat. To be vulnerable is to put away shame, which is to build relationships and to create that deep relationship, that vulnerable relationship is to bring transformation. Yesterday, one of the people that I respect greatly in the greater Portland community, said that she wrote a six-page letter and mailed it to Iowa, to the person who had assaulted her in her first year of college. And she wanted to tell others that she had done that because it was a significant moment in her life. And she had been sharing some of that story with people and with 
the Facebook world over the past few weeks. But she shared that, and my other friend, who's also someone I respect greatly in the greater Portland community, and both of these women are people of deep faith, neither of which are a part of the Hope Gateway community, responded to her um, post with sharing her own, some of her own story and some of the things she's working to recover from. And she said, I am so happy that you could lighten your own self with this bold action. I'm so happy that you could lighten your own self with this bold action. And then she responded, thank you, dear woman. I want lightness for you too, in whatever way it comes. They were vulnerable with each other and their relationship witnessed by other people is transformational. Not just for them, but for everyone. And that also happens in this story. The transformation of an individual, of their friends, is transformational for everyone. But we'll get more back to that in a minute. Another question that comes out of the scripture story is whose mat are you carrying today? We have to be open to one another and to our real needs in real life, in real time, and that is inconvenient, friends. It is inconvenient to be in relationship with one another and to make that valuable. And it is risky and it is messy and it is hard. And sometimes it makes us sweaty and sometimes it makes us stressed and it is not easy, but it is a gift and it is what God wants for us because we love God by loving each other. Pastor Heather Zempel says, somebody else's miracle might be on the other side of your willingness to embrace the messy and the awkward and the inconvenient. So whose mat are you carrying? And who's carrying your mat? Whose faith is changing your life? And whose life is being changed by your faith? When we carry the mat, we change the story. The man walked away from that place with a completely new life because of the faith of his friends. Those friends created a new story in the life of their friend and they created a new story in the life of their community. Jesus performed that miracle at the insistence of those friends and the legal experts who kind of goaded him on it, right? But the whole community was amazed and they'd never seen anything like that before. 
They were transformed because the mat was carried to Jesus. Jesus said near the end of his life, at the last meal that he shared with his friends, when he was washing their feet, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. May we love each other deeply and fully and transformationally.